Welcome to the Restored and Remarried podcast with Gil and Brenda Stewart. Gil and Brenda are internationally known marriage experts who specialize in remarriage and the step family. The Stewarts offer valuable principles that can improve your relationship satisfaction with the love of your life. Here they are, coach and counselors, authors and speakers, Gil and Brenda Stewart. Hey, Brenda and Gil here. We have a fun announcement to make coming up. Uh, if you live in the Portland, Oregon area, you're going to want to hear this. Or I guess even if you're not, you can jump on a plane yeah, and join us. Yeah, get on a plane. Us. Come join us because we're going to have some fun sometime in July. What day? July Saturday, 7th? July 7th. We are going to be at what's called the Tiki Meetup. And our producer, Project Mike, is putting this event together at the Tiki Family Fun Center. Fun Center. So July yeah. 7th, 12 to 3 p.m., it's actually located in the Gresham, Oregon area. Yeah. And so all kinds of fun. Miniature golf. Uh, you said something about axe throwing. Axe throwing. Yeah. You got to see it to believe it. There's, so. Uh, there's a cafe. There's a play structure. There's an arcade. Axe throwing. There's all kinds of stuff for the kids to do. And this is throwing a Throwing axes for the kids. Good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not very good. Yeah. Anyway, this is a chance you can come and meet uh, meet us if you haven't met us. There's going to be other podcasters there. YouTubers. YouTubers. Did you know we have a YouTube channel? We do. We do. Yeah, so. we put stuff on there once in a while. Yeah. Anyway, check out. Uh, we're going to be promoting it on the R&R Facebook page and also the Project Mike, which is M-Y-C. How clever. Page. How Project clever. Mike. Project it's Mike. Tiki Family Fun Center. Join us July 7th from 12 to 3. See you later. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Restored and Remarried, where we are excited to parlay to you tips, tools, and tingles for your relationship. This is Gil and Brenda Stewart. Hey. How is everybody out there in podcast land? We are hope you are well. Hey, we're really excited to have a special guest with us today, Curtis Miller, who is a specialist in ACEs, which stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. And as a counselor, as I was sharing with, with Curtis before we uh, started recording here, uh, I, I would like to introduce this with the motif of Elmer Fudd. Elmer Fudd, if you all remember, was the guy that was always trying to catch up with Bugs Bunny, right? Boy, you're you're dating yourself. I really am. And so with people who have aces, as Elmer would say, be very, very careful. Because a lot of people that I sit with, um, you know, if they have aces, they, they can be pretty fragile. Mm. So with that being said, Elmer Fudd, let's turn it over. What would you like to ask Curtis and get him going? Well, how, why don't we welcome Curtis? Oh, yeah, hey, sure. hey, Curtis. Hey, Gil and Brenda. Good to see you guys. <laughs> We've known each other since, boy, a long time. We were huh? a lot younger back then. Yeah. Ah. Not that we're old now. That's <laughs> Just know. a little bit less young. <laughs> so tell us a little <laughs> bit about who you are and what you're doing in the world of ACEs here. Uh, so I run a coalition in Battleground, Washington called Connect BG, which started as an effort to deal with teen suicide in our community. And as a result of the research that we did to um, figure out what to do, we came, we came across uh, the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study. And so that uh, piqued my interest as well as many of my colleagues, and we've done a lot of research to figure out how that plays into the problem and what the implications of the study are. And I'd love to tell you a little bit more about it, if that's cool. Yeah, yeah, please do. So uh, Dr. Vincent Folletti headed up the ACEs study uh, starting in the mid-80s. He, dis 
he discovered somewhat accidentally that many of the patients that he was working with in an obesity clinic in San Diego um, related in stories to him that they had experienced trauma in their childhood uh, that that they felt was an underlying cause of their obesity. They were basically responding to their trauma uh, with a coping mechanism that created another problem. Hmm. And so Folletti did some research um, and his initial study was rejected by the CDC because it was too small of a sample. And so he partnered with a Kaiser Clinic in San Diego that uh, had about 26,000 patients running through it on average in a year. Hmm. And they surveyed those patients. Uh, and it's important to understand that this is a non-marginalized population. So average age is about 57 years old. It's a 46-54 gender split. About 80, 80% were white, 10% Asian, 10% Hispanic and black. Uh, most of them had some college education. They were employed. They were Kaiser patients. And so the, there's nothing that would skew the results of the study. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> what they did was they asked them 10 questions. And the 10 questions comprise the 10 different adverse childhood experiences that someone can, ex- can have. Uh, and, and so the survey went, uh, it asked questions such as, Um, From the time you were born until you were 18 years old, were you ever verbally, emotionally, or uh, or physically, sexually, or emotionally abused? Were you ever physically or emotionally neglected? And then in your family, was there anybody who dealt with drugs, was incarcerated, was there violence? Did you lose a parent through death or divorce, or was there anybody who was suffering from a mental illness? Mm -hmm. So those 10 things, for everything that you would say yes to you'd get essentially a point. Mm -hmm. And those points would add up to your ACEs score. So they they surveyed this 26,000 people. They got about 17,000 responses. So 71% response rates, very good, very reliable uh, study. And they started comparing people's ACEs scores with the outcomes in their life. And what they found uh, was that in nearly every case, any kind of negative outcome or behavior is related to your mm-hmm. ACEs score. So the higher your ACEs score, the more likely you are to have that negative outcome. And it's significant. Mm-hmm. Some of the things, uh, and, and this was uh, important to, the, to connect BG, uh, one in 96 people with an ACEs score of zero will attempt suicide. One in five people with an ACEs score of four or higher will attempt suicide. So if we can identify people's ACEs score, we know who's at risk. Uh, another another big one, significant uh, difference is the uh, illicit drugs. One in 480 people with an ACEs score of zero will use drugs illegally. One in 30 with an ACEs score of four or more will use drugs, uh, illegal drugs. So massive. That's like a 4,000% difference. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So across the board, ACEs score generally increases the likelihood of negative outcomes, negative behaviors. And the other thing that they came up with in this study is that about two-thirds of the population has an ACEs score of at least one. So very common. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in addition to that, if you have an ACEs score, if you have one, you're 87% more likely to have two because these are 
co-occurring kinds of experiences in childhood. Okay. So extremely common and has this impact. Not only is it common um, because of the ACEs, but if you if you think of the 10 things on that list, there's that's really not a full list. It doesn't include racism and poverty and bullying and having to move a lot or um, being in a country that's not your country of origin or being adopted or having been in war. Their list goes on and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. So if we're talking about the impact of adverse childhood experiences, we need to acknowledge the fact everybody has adversity. What I just heard you say is is that you don't necessarily have to live in a war zone to experience trauma. Mm-mm. Because trauma is, as I think about it as a counselor, as I work with people, is that some of them have trauma capital T, some have trauma lowercase t. But it really depends on their perceptions, their personality, their family of origin, mm-hmm. their culture, all of that kind of stuff. So these particular things have a lot to do with the ACEs. This is just the tip of the iceberg. Right. Okay. Right. Continue. Yeah. I think that's, a, that's fascinating. Yeah. So trauma is common. Bad things happen to people. So the question uh, comes up a lot, and I get asked constantly, will you come talk to us about ACEs? And I always say, well, I'd be happy to come and talk to you about ACEs, but that's a really depressing conversation. Because <laughs> it just says bad things happen to people, and when bad things happen to people, it messes them up. Yeah. If that's the end of the story, it's pretty hopeless. But fortunately, it's not, because the implications of the ACEs study basically... It, are rooted in the understanding of neuroscience, and it, it, which says that not just bad things, but experiences mm-hmm. shape the way that our brains function. And so it's not, <clears throat> it's, while it's true that negative experiences create uh, synaptic connections around uh, unhealthy core beliefs, those aren't necessarily fixed. Your ACEs score doesn't have to define you any more than uh, a heavy workout that causes sore pectoral muscles the next morning mm-hmm. defines your pectoral muscles as sore. Mm-hmm. What what can happen is that you just get stronger. And so the question is, what are the things that need to be in place in order for negative experiences to get translated into mm-hmm. positive growth? And they're they're coming out with science around post-traumatic growth now, not just... Mm. Uh, post-traumatic stress, but post-traumatic growth. And we've all experienced that. If you've ever, if you have ever learned how to play the guitar, mm-hmm. uh, run a marathon, it, any, anything that requires effort to go into it in order to produce something that you want, it always causes pain and discomfort. It's an adversity that mm-hmm. you willingly take on because you want the results down the road. Now, of course, children are, aren't choosing this adversity, but mm-hmm. But the ideal is that children aren't experiencing adversity alone. There's a community around them. There's people who are going to invest in their lives. And that's one of the things that we've shown over and over and over and over is that the presence of caring adults in the lives of kids and the experience of being in a connected community can offset the impact of the adversity in their childhood and actually turn it into a part of their story that is foundational to their strength. And a grow, it's a growth opportunity. Huh? Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. We've all heard those kind of stories of people, the inspirational speakers that run mm-hmm. the circuit, right? Mm-hmm. And they get mm-hmm. up there and they start off telling about the terrible things that they've done or terrible things that they've happened to them. And then that ends up turning into 
the thing that makes them strong. It's what we appreciate about superheroes. Mm-hmm. Pick any superhero. Take the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. All of the members of the Fantastic Four had their lives, quote unquote, destroyed. <laughs> they were no longer the same person that they were before mm-hmm. that happened to them. But it, that is also the thing that made them superheroes. Right. And that's, that is something that's always true, that our, our greatest glory, our greatest strengths, our greatest assets are always rooted right next to our weakness and our damage and, and, the, and the pain that we've experienced. When you say that, Curtis, it brings to my mind a quote that, that was given to me years ago that I hang on to because of going through adverse situations in my own life. And I know that I've said this on the podcast in the past. But it's that mentality that courage grows strength from a wound. Mm -hmm. And where you're wounded may actually be sensed as a weakness. But in reality, it could be your strength. And it can be other people's strengths as well. Provided that we're vulnerable, we get over the shame. So there's actually some good news about trauma here and how to overcome through resilience. So, Brenda, what do you got? Well, and I'm just thinking the whole from the whole marriage realm... um, what a great opportunity if you're in a relationship or marriage where you're really struggling, but the statistics show that I think as you struggle for five years and you work through it, your marriage and relationship is stronger when you come out on the other side if you've really been honest and have put some tools to work. And that even goes more so in a remarriage. I mean, our you know, Restore to Remarried came out of our pain, and we decided whether we wanted to or not, we pushed into the pain and that big T or little T traumatic experience and look at the joy that's come out of it. Now that, you know, a divorce and remarriage on the scale of trauma for some might be a big T or it might be a little mm-hmm. T, but it still shakes your your core, your, to, your soul to the core. So maybe there's this new thing that we need to study called masses, which would be matrimonial adverse experiences. <laughs> hey! Yeah. Uh, so that's a new study. So, okay, let, let's get back to aces, because yeah. we got Curtis here. I don't, I, that's yeah, that's not sidetracked. We can start rambling, you know, because we're good at that. But let's get back to the other side of trauma. The trauma growth. But, trauma, how do we... Well, how, where, where's can, resilience? Before we get to that point, which we definitely need to end there, but can you give us some like concrete examples um of the body part thing you were talking about earlier yeah you're sharing about the hand and the liver and yeah so there's this is not a um this reality this truth is not exclusive to the the emotional mental or physical pain that can be experienced um as a result of adversity in childhood and of course Adversity doesn't stop in childhood. You don't turn eighteen and then <laughs> and then no, nobody wish. else adds oh, to your aces score. It just keeps going and going and going. And so and so the question is, um, how do we think about it? How how do we understand the difficulty that that we experience in our life? And one of the one of the great illustrations that I ran across over the last couple of years is. Um, the way a knob cone pine responds to its environment. You guys ever heard of a knob cone pine? Okay, so it's a pine cone that grows on a, a particular kind of pine tree, and the the resin grows right on the trunk. It doesn't hang from the branches. It mm. grows right on the trunk of the tree, and the resin that holds the spines together that make the pine cone is so dense and so strong mm-hmm. that unless that tree 
goes through a forest fire and is burned, the the pine cone will not release the seeds that are within it. Mm. Wow. It's wow. literally designed to only do its job if it experiences adversity, if it is traumatized. And we can see that in nature over and over and over again. It's, it's the way the world works. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, changing the way that we think about that's uh, changing the way that we think about it helps us to walk through adversity um, in in a more healthy way. Because if we're expecting that adversity is only bad, mm-hmm. then then that colors and shapes the way that we experience it. But if we anticipate that adversity, whether we're choosing it or not choosing it, can be um, an investment in our strength, in our growth, in our character, in our understanding, in our wisdom, in our endurance, in our resilience, all of those kinds of things. If we're expecting that that's going to be the result, then the way that we walk through that adversity changes much. It changes significantly. One of the, um, uh, one of the, one of my favorite studies, I'll, I'll, I'll mention two. I think I can get to two in the time that we have, but one of them is uh, done by Emmy Werner. It's called the Kauai Longitudinal Study, and it was done uh, from 1955 to 1995. In 1955, there were 698 people born on the island of Kauai, and Emmy Warner basically stalked these 698 <laughs> people with their permission for uh, 40 years. <clears throat> and about a third of those people um, had the kind of life growing up that we would now call a high ACEs score. So they, they had a traumatic experiences. And, and as you would expect, many of those children, when they got into their 20s and 30s, started exhibiting the kinds of behavior and outcomes that we're Maybe trying negative. to avoid. Negative, right? yeah. However, out of, so that's about a third of that 698, 72 of that cohort uh, measured a higher performance in, in relationship, in employment, in mental health, in physical health, in every other realm measured higher than the two-thirds who didn't have a high ACEs score. So this Mm. attracted the attention of the researchers, and they started trying to figure out what were the common denominators. Mm -hmm. And two of the things that they found that were spectacular are things that we can actually control, we can have an influence on. The first one, which I mentioned, I think, before, was the presence of a caring adult. Those kids, at some point in their life, some adult came alongside of them and said, I'm going to invest in you, and I'm going to be at your side. I've got your back. Come hell or high water, I'm here, and I care about you. Mm -hmm. And understand, these caring adults did this in spite of the fact that these kids were not behaving as ideal children are supposed to behave. These were the the rough and tumble kids, but those adults stayed with them anyway. And they and and as a result of that, they had an experience of belonging and significance in that relationship. The other thing that is something that that we have a say in, in terms of how do we how do we create resilience out of trauma, um, is the experience of a connected community. Somehow, those kids, those seventy-two kids, felt like they belonged. They felt like they were safe. They were loved. They were accepted. They were known. They were appreciated in their community. And who knows what that looks like for each one of those kids. You ride Mm -hmm. down the street and Mr. Jones yells out the pharmacy front door of the pharmacy. Hey, Billy, how's it going? And you, you hear your name and you know that you're known that kind of experience. So those two things 
are, are critical elements, a caring adult and a sense of a connected community. And that doesn't change, again, it doesn't change when you turn 18. Mm-hmm. Knowing that you have an experience uh, or experiencing the, the feeling of belonging and knowing that you matter, this this kind of science goes back to Alfred Adler. Yeah, yeah. Our, the, our most, uh, one of our recent surgeon generals, uh, Vivek Murthy, he says that the cause of all of our psychological problems nowadays is loneliness. And loneliness is the number one health ep- epidemic mm. in our culture. Yeah, I back that up because even sitting in the counselor's chair, ultimately, the, the, the issue at hand is I want to be known and I want to be heard. Yep. And I want to be valued. Yep. And if I got that, life would be different. Yeah. But where do we get that? Trauma... <clears throat> you can think of trauma as an illness. It's it's a germ. It's a virus. And it's very dangerous for people who are alone. Yeah. But if you think of if you think of people hmm. as part of a as a biological part of an organic community. We're designed to be together, right? Mm-hmm. We're we're mammals. We're herd we're part of a herd. Yeah. So if you use the metaphor of an organism, say the human body, okay. human body has a healing mechanism in it, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if the human body is affected by a germ or it gets damaged, you, your arm gets broken or you get stabbed in the chest or something like that, your body will do work to heal itself. Right. But if the individual part of the human body is disconnected from it, it's much more susceptible to damage and the healing mechanism that the organism has when it's connected mm-hmm. doesn't work for a separated individual. Mm-hmm. So I would say the most critical uh, factor in trauma getting translated to resilience is connectedness within relationships, being known and feeling like you have something that you bring to those relationships that nobody yeah. else can do. Yeah. That is where you experience the healing mechanism. That's where your your resistance to the damage of trauma comes from and your capacity to translate trauma into growth and health and strength down the road. Wow. So let me ask you this as we're winding up here and the sense of hope. Let's say a, a parent has a high ACEs score and they're kind of working through all this but yet they're seeing their kids uh, maybe dealing with some of the same issues, you know, as they were when they were growing up. How can that, can that parent that's dealing with their trauma themselves step out of themselves to be able to support that kid, that kid in the community that they kind of resonate with to be able to give them hope by speaking into their life, saying, you know, hi, Billy, saying their name. I mean, it's. Absolutely. I mean, I think, I think one of the, one of the greatest uh, assets that older people have to offer to younger people is experience. We've lived stories. We've lived through things. We've had adversity and come out on the other side. Even if it, even if it didn't all work out, mm-hmm. you know, the way that we would want it to, we can still relate those things and we, and we can become good listeners and absorb from the younger generation, their pain, not not to bounce it back on them, but to, to really hold it with them and mm-hmm. share it with them mm-hmm. with some authority because we know what it's like. I, I want you to elaborate on that <clears throat> absorption, that holding the pain. Just for a second. I know we're going to go over a couple of minutes, but damn it, who cares? It's important that we hold one another's pain. 
Mm-hmm. We are so stinking selfish in this society, in this culture we live. It's like, flake it off. But really, that's healing balm. Mm-hmm. So talk about that healing, holding, absorption, just kind of in a practical sense, just for a couple extra seconds here. You know, <clears throat> compassion is about being with people. Yeah. And I think uh, the way that that works requires the sacrifice of time. It requires the mm-hmm. investment of time. You cannot listen well. You cannot absorb well from another person unless you're willing to take the time to sit with them. And it's not to come up with the right answer. Right. It's not to come up with a strategy. It's to be with them and and experience what they're experiencing together. And that is is a capacity that's built in to human beings. Mm-hmm. We are made to be in relationship Connection. for this very purpose. Yeah. And that is that is an experience that is the experience of that organic healing mechanism when two or three or four people come together that that is what brings relief i mean you've, yeah. everybody's yeah. had that experience yeah. you talk to somebody who you know cares and just the act of telling the story mm-hmm. brings relief to the storyteller and oftentimes uh to the story receiver as well yeah yeah so true and that's what brings hope yeah Yep. Compassion, wow. empathy, and truly caring. So where can people go to find this ACEs test? Well, at this point, it's become fairly ubiquitous in our country. So you can just Google, don't Google ACEs or you'll get lots of tips on poker playing. Okay. <laughs> uh, but if you Google adverse childhood experiences, uh, it'll come up. Dr. Vincent Folletti has uh, a bunch of videos. There's also... Um, uh, several TED talks out there that are mm. that discover uh, or that describe Aces. My favorite is by Dr. Nadine Burke Harris. Does a fantastic job. It's like a 17 minute. And talk. I'm going to have all these uh, links on our podcast notes so that people could just click on. And I can give you a help. whole bunch more. Yeah. How, how would people get a hold of you, Curtis, if you wanted? And also, folks, Connect Battleground is a, is a nonprofit. So, you know, in the same way that we're looking for a studio sponsor, I'm sure <laughs> Curtis would not be uh, unobliged uh, if you wanted to send him, like, a, you know, $100,000 or something like that. <laughs> how would you get a hold of Curtis? <laughs> uh, just call me and I'll come to your house. <laughs> uh, you, can, you can find Connect BG on our website. It's connectbg.org. Uh, and there's contact, there's a, you know, typical website contact form on there and has email addresses. And there's also all the links to the ACES stuff are on the Connect BG oh, okay. website. Great. 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 And if, if you're interested, my side business is doing trainings and workshops on not just trauma, but how trauma can be translated into resilience. And that is uh, connect-ed.link. Say that one more time. Connect-ed.link. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We got to go. Ah, so much more to talk about. Absolutely. Hey, because if you all remember how we end this thing out is, if you ain't got the marriage... You ain't got nothing. Thanks again. Bye. Thanks, Curtis. You've been listening to Gil and Brenda Stewart with the Restored and Remarried Podcast. If you enjoyed today's time together, share it with a friend. And be sure to sign up for Gil and Brenda's free newsletter, subscribe to upcoming podcasts, and learn where they're speaking. It's all on the website, restoredandremarried.com. Connect on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and hashtag restoredandremarried. 
Plus, they offer one-on-one couples coaching with amazing results. Join the Stewarts next time as they provide more tips, tools, and tingles for your relationship. Remember, if you ain't got the marriage, you ain't got nothing.